Hello, I'm inviting you into this A Gabrielle exclusive. May your heart be inspired by real people, right intentions, and raw emotion. Keep the conversation going by following A.Gabrielle exclusives on Instagram. I am here today with the wonderful, the incomparable Carlos. So Carlos, let's say that it is your 21st birthday. You're about to walk into your party. What is the song that would play before you walk in and make your entrance? There will be a song by Julio Iglesias that I uh, remember all my life and I play it quite often. His name is Soy un Señor. Soy un Truan. It's about a person who lives his life at the fullest. He does whatever he wants in the normal ways and without violation of anybody's space. Mm. And besides that, there, you know, uh, I enter the uh, Latin music, jazz, uh, uh, Latin jazz. Uh, Cubans have a pretty good, uh, Brazilian has pretty good. There's some uh, musicians from uh, South America, such as Argentina and Chile. Wow. I think for me, so I kind of like change songs from time to time when I think about what I would want to play as I make my entrance. But just um, between this conversation you and I have had, I think that it would be a lot of fun to make an entrance to like a Latin jazz kind of mix. So I might, you know, keep that in mind for uh, my next birthday. That sounds very exciting. So uh, that's not exactly what we're here to talk about. Let's jump into some conversation. So, Carlos, what country were you born in, and how long did you live there? I was born in Guatemala, in a little town, Cobán. It's north of Guatemala City. It's about 217 kilometers from the Guatemala City, north part of Guatemala. That's uh, basically, uh, people live, make their living uh, back in those days, in the 60s, uh, growing coffee. There was a lot of German people out there, uh, a lot of family, uh, German families around the area that we grew up. Yeah, that's 1960. And how long did you live there? 12 years. And then what would you say is like your favorite memory of living there? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, reading books with my mother, that was one of the things that uh, my mother encouraged us as well as my father. Uh, Reading was something that was available to us, and there was a lot of books in the home. Uh, back in the days, we don't have no electricity or running water in our house. So basically, our reading time, we had to do it by a candle or a small lantern that we made out of beeswax. Wow. And uh, we, you know, I remember that we used to cook uh, our food with the wood. So there was no gas or anything. There was we don't have no refrigerator or televisions or uh, we. I remember we used to have a, uh, a radio that was, you know, we had to buy batteries, you know, to make it work. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it was fun, you know. It's, you don't know any anything any better, so you don't miss anything. So this mm-hmm. only what you know, and that's what we did. So were you the oldest or youngest or how did you fall in the fifth. In the family. Out of how many? Ten. So right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So 12 years um, in Guatemala, and then where did you go after that? 
Well, I was an I was orphan since I was twelve. Uh, I lived in some countries in Europe, um, Spain. I lived Spain. I lived in Lyon, France. Finished my high school there. Were you like living by yourself, or yeah, living by myself? I was, you know, an orphan. How did you like decide to go to these places? I, it was not my decision. It was uh, my mother's decision. Yeah. You know, send me out there and try to grow like anybody else. There was no future in my hometown, so my mother decided that she had some friends and this, she sent me over there, and I grew up there. Did any of your siblings go with you? Uh, there were already siblings everywhere. It was in Brazil or in Canada. There were in France, Lyon, France. Two brothers were there, and a brother in Italy. So did you all kind of split up at the same time, mm -hmm. or like some went yeah, it was It was pretty sad because we weren't, well, you know, after a while we wanted to try to grow up together. But um, the government and all the commotion that happened in Guatemala, there was not the proper time for us to go there together, so my mother sent us yeah. everywhere. So how did you keep in contact with your siblings during this time? Letters. Mm. Letters, mostly, you know, once a month. And I still write letters to my kids uh, once a month, one letter uh, for every kid. I do that to my brothers, too, my sisters, and write letters. I have my typewriter, my Corona. You still have a typewriter today? Yes, wow. And that's what you type your letters on? Mm -hmm. So. Because I like the smell of ink and the smell of the paper. Interesting. That's timeless. Yeah, and my kids do the same thing to, to me, you know. We write letters together back and forth. And it's nice to go and go to the mailbox and get a letter and say, oh, you know, you sit down and read and, you know. Yeah. Something besides a bill in the mail is nice to have something. Yeah. Bills, my, my wife is the only one who opened the bills, I don't. <laughs> so you spent some time in Europe. Mm -hmm. How did you end up here in the United States? Uh, it was kind of a hard time for me to uh, pursue my education, so I traveled from France to Sierra, uh, to Andorra, then I moved to Lisboa and Portugal, and then I moved to Ivory Coast, and then eventually I ended up in Brazil, and then Mexico, uh, opened the doors for me to come to school in Mexico, hmm. and then I went to uh, West Lafayette, Indiana, to Purdue University. Of all the states here in the United States? Uh, uh, there was a guy, a uh, person, who invited me to pursue a pharmaceutical career, so I did pharmacy, and I became a nuclear pharmacist. When you were growing up, did you have any dreams of, like, you know... I want to become a theoretical physicist. Okay. I wanted to find out what is out there. How come it's so dark, so silent, so cold, so, you know, to reading books and, you know, uh, books from uh, Albert Einstein, uh, Enrico Fermi, and all those great scientists, theoretical physicists. So I kind of isolate myself to find out what it was. Well, we only hear, you know. It was not possible that we are the only people or the only, you know, uh, this planet is the only one who has living things. Why not somewhere else? So all those questions, yeah. you know, I try to answer myself at that very young age. Do you feel like you found any of the answers that you were looking for? Well, I, I, I got a frustration when I did not went to uh, Russia. I wanted to go to Russia to become a theoretical physicist. Mm -hmm. Patricia Lanumba uh, University in Leningrad. But it, it never happened, so you had to, I had to find out another ways to make a living. 
I understand that. So do you feel like you have any regrets about that? Or do you believe what you're doing, like what you ended up studying, was what you were all along supposed to be studying? <clears throat> well, um, this, this is one thing that I learned in life when I was at a very young age, 12 years old, living by myself. <clears throat> in order to be a person to be happy, is to get rid of all your fears. Mm. And in order to get rid of all your fears, is to learn yourself, who you are. There is no purpose of you being here, for me to be in here. I have to find purpose to exist. And at that point is when you start knowing yourself and start eliminating all the fears. So you don't, I do not see any colors or uh, no races. It's the fear that we do not eliminate as we go on. Because we listen to older people, their fears, and we bring this into ourselves and we create huge fears. This is to prevent people to grow. This is my own way of thinking. It is not, you know, this yeah. is. But I, I, I did that and so I succeed. You know, I'm in a very young age. Uh, I, I don't have friends, you know, very close friends. I have only one uh, person uh, that is not related to me in blood that is my friend. There's only one in my entire 60s that I've been living. The best friend that I have is my wife and my kids. How did you meet your wife? To that friend. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a friend forever then. <laughs> right. And then we intermingle our family. Uh, we baptize his kids in the Catholic Church and he baptized my kids. And so we grew up as a family. And I see him twice a week. We have a few drinks and we all, normally we have a dinner in my house or in his house. And so this is a friend you met when you moved to the United States? That's correct, yes. He's from Mexico. So what do you like remember of the time when you were on your own from like 12 until the time that you moved here to the United States? Just growing up essentially on your own, like what was that like for you? <clears throat> well, it was fun because you, like I, like I, I said before, um, you have to eliminate fears, mm -hmm. okay? And when you eliminate those fears, you work by yourself. Nothing bothers you, you know, you don't bother anyone. You, you just take whatever you need to survive or you make it to a place where you where, where I was wanted to be so <clears throat> I never encounter the the fear of someone is not gonna like me or I'm gonna like someone it just uh, it was just me and in my entire life it was just me yeah I don't have anybody to prove anybody anything so, and that made me grow by myself and, you know, and I treat everybody the best way I can and I wanted people to treat me the same way and this is when you kind of go this way in life. Mm -hmm. You don't touch anybody, nobody touches. So did you, like, as a 12-year-old, like, obviously your mom sent you away because she wanted, like, a better opportunity or, like, a better experience? In a way, yes. In a way, yes. That was her vision, you know, and always encouraged us 
to read, it's a, it's a computer read, two books a month. Uh, I'm gonna wait to time. So all the time, all the letters, you know, and uh, so when she died, <coughs> uh, my father passed first and then my mother, but uh, between both of them, they made this scrapbook and for every, every single kid. And they're, they make up stories about us, okay? Mm -hmm. And they attach small picture that we sent from wherever we were, we were right? <coughs> and um, so they make stories about how we were growing up and they envision, you know, my kids were doing this at this point in life and so on and so forth. And, you know, he's struggling to learn new language, new culture, and so on and so forth. And so, so when they died, they give us compelling scrapbooks. So we make books out of there and we share with my brother. So everybody has this story of my parents' ambition Oh, we grew up. Oh, that's beautiful. And I do the same thing with my kids, you know, compile everything. So, it's something, it, it makes me if, if feel like, in the very beginning, there was a struggle, you know, because you need your father and your mother to, when you're hungry, when you're cold, when you're hot, or when you're sick, you need that person mm -hmm. to nurture you and to give you this. But when you don't have it, <coughs> This is when you start trying to find solutions for yourself and be yourself. Yeah. You don't come with nobody to come and help you to do this for you. So you start becoming self-sufficient and you learn from those experience. So any of our, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters, we've never been in each other's wedding or the birth of uh, his kids, which is individual person. Do you still feel like you're kind of close-knit with your siblings now that you all are older? <clears throat> well, you know, as you grow old, uh, you start finding some type of need to be with them, mm -hmm. okay? And you don't do this because love or anything else. It's just they need to be together to tell stories, to find out, you know, like we engage in conversations that last for hours and tell you know, how you survive and, you know, what you were doing when you were in your 30s or things like that, you yeah. know, when you were in your 40s and how do you raise your kids and what are the things that you teach your, our kids to become successful as our kids, you know? So, uh, it is funny the way we treat ourselves, you know? We call each other, uh, Saturday morning is a busy time, and we call each other via WhatsApp, or now that we have the telephones, you know? <laughs> it, it is just, it start, and my house starts at four o'clock in the morning, because the time is on. Yeah. So, you know, and it's nice, you know, I mean, you, you hear the voice of the other person on the other side versus just read the letter, they will come and mail. Yeah. Well, I think that's really good. And yes, I'm sure telephone has helped out a lot. Mm, yes, yes, yes and no. Sometimes, um, well, to, for us, uh, you know, you say something on the phone that you're ready to write it down. and It has a different impact. Yeah, different, yeah. so, you know, so, but it was, it was, and the hardest part of, uh, of my life was, the death of my first daughter, so it took it really hard. 
do you feel like that was something that you kind of dealt with yourself or was that something that like your family kind of you all joined together or what was that kind of like grieving process like for you well you have to understand life how life works okay nothing is for sure Mm -hmm. we have only today tomorrow is just tomorrow yeah and it was one of those things that happened in life randomly when people don't understand themselves or uh, they have bad parents or they have uh, some other problems growing up. So this guy was running away from the policeman and killed my daughter. In a car accident. Mm-hmm. Well, it, was not, it was an accident, but it was couldn't be pre- prevented by right. the guy. You know, stop, police stop you, stop. Why do you keep on driving so fast, trying to avoid the policeman and uh, on his way, trying to save him and kill my daughter. <clears throat> Did he live? Yeah. And I, oh yeah, my daughter has a small car, he had a big car. And we understand at one point that he his intention was not to kill my daughter. Right. But his action to prevent to go to jail for whatever reason, because this is what he was he was guilty about what he was doing before. And the police stopped him, and he took off. So he took off thinking, I'm going to... Just run from the police. Yeah, and I'm going to be safe here. I speed up, and the police never going to catch me. So his intention was to save him for himself. Nothing about killing someone. Yeah. Unfortunately, my daughter came, and boom. It's hard because you don't understand, you know, why people do things... They're not, they're not supposed to do. Did you hate him? Or like, how old were your feelings and towards him? This has been 10 years ago, and uh, you don't hate people. Uh, you try to understand why parents do not talk the right thing to kids. Mm. And this is the only reason that I find out, you know, even though I was, you know, asking why, 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 and I drink and drink and, you know, kind of put our house upside down. But <clears throat> as the time goes by, you have to start, you know, uh, try to understand that type of life that those kids have. You can have the mother and your father together, but if they don't have the common sense of raising kids, you're going to have a problem. So along those lines, so you have, how many kids do you have? We used to have three. Three, okay. So you moved away from your parents at Mm -hmm. age 12. Um, A lot of times I think that people kind of like mirror what they see in their family Mm -hmm. as like their means of parenting. So how would you say that like you learn to parent? (coughs) Well, first of all, when when I decided to have kids with Isela, I promised myself, to be the best father. There is not a book or anything mm-hmm. of guidance to become the best, or the good father, or whatever. <clears throat> it's the responsibility to bring this creature and how you're going to make that creature a successful person for herself and for society. If you don't have those qualities, everybody is a parent, everybody has kids and so on and so forth. And as they growing up, you build those fears that I was talking to you in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. 
and in our house there were no fears we prevent to talk about fears they came in from uh, you know from the school and they talk about this and this and then we explain that this is the way they see life you have to see it this way so you can become a good person and so on and so forth there's nothing out there that is going to eat you so do you think you had like I guess very like mature or realistic conversations with your kids at a young age yes and I, they never call me daddy or father or whatever. they always call me Carlos because I want to be their friend so they have these open channels for conversations so let's go back. So you said after um, like the death of your daughter, you spent some time drinking and you're like, your world was just kind of like mm-hmm. turned upside down. So how do you think outside of just processing through the meaning of life and what life is, how did you find your way out of that place or how did you learn to cope with her death? <clears throat> well, if it was not for Isela, probably I could die or kill myself because you spend an agony trying to understand why those people exist, the, the one, they have kids, but they don't, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> um, so there was one day that she said, after the trial and everything, so I said, listen, uh, two, the two things are gonna happen. Either you kill yourself or you're gonna kill someone and you're gonna be way out from us. I can find another husband, she says, but the kids are not gonna find another father. So let's put together. We go into the same pain, the same. So let's get together and try to find something to do. She says, you know, like, because uh, I was semi-retired at the time, and here I am. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So thinking back on just like challenges, like obviously that's probably like the greatest challenge you've had in your life is figuring out how to handle that or how to overcome that. What other challenges do you think you've had to face since you've moved here to the United States? You know, that it was it is it was hard to learn a the language. Uh, there was the only challenge that I had in, in a, you know in life in the United States. So you said that you met a guy and that's why you decided to go to Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that that experience kind of shaped how you view the United States or how you view America or what did you think about the United States before you moved here? I never thought about <clears throat> America is just like any other country. People that are similar. The only thing that I find out about America it was very difficult for me to understand was that they're very religious on one day but the rest of the the rest of the day they're not. Right. Is that something that you see different in other countries? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty much, you know, and and they still reality, mm-hmm. you know. On Sundays, everybody's religious, but Monday to Saturday, you know, just do whatever. Right. Yeah. So uh, it was for me. It was like it's just like someone is gonna come to your house and you invite people come to your house on Saturday and say you Friday you start cleaning and put everything in order and so on and so forth. So what you're putting out there is a lie. You don't live that way. Yeah. You're just doing this up because people come to your house and you wanted to have the best impression for people. Ooh, look at this. But in reality, this is not what it is. It's not the same way, you know. Mm. So this is kind of trying to explain you how that I see it. Yeah. That is a lie. So uh, before um, I asked about America, you said it has people, just like there are people everywhere. So kind of like, what would you say are some similarities? Because I know you've been to many countries and you've engaged with many people. What are kind of like some of the similarities that you see just about like people or human nature in general? 
Well, like, like I said in the very beginning, if people try to find themselves and eliminate those fears, that's when you become a true human. Mm. You know, I mean, like, uh, education, uh, it gives you steps to get there, but to be too, you know, really human, it's, it's, it takes steps. So do you think that there are countries where it's easier to, I guess, isolate yourself from the distractions or from the fictitious? Um, what kind of distractions? Whatever it is, I guess, that like makes America where it's easy to say we're religious on Sunday and we do our own thing on Monday through Saturday, whatever it is that makes people want to put up this facade. Do you think that it's easier to be more authentic in other countries? No, it's similar. Okay. Because now that it's similar because the technology and everything, everybody wants to be like Beyonce or Michael Jackson and they dread the same and they want to do this and all that. So they forgot about themselves and they're trying to be someone that mm. they're, they're not. So they don't live that, their own life. They pretend to be someone and this is not life. This You try to be someone that you're never going to be because there's only one Adriana. Mm -hmm. And if you try to be like Beyonce or any other, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Period. So you start lying to yourself that way and you never find yourself. You're never going to find who you are, what you want. What are the things that make you happy and so on and so forth? So you don't never transmit that energy to the rest of the people, you know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously there's a lot more technology today than there was, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So what would you say um, is challenging about how you had to raise your kids versus like how you were raised in terms of one, like being there with them through mm -hmm. growing up, but also with technology being so present and so available? Well, what I what I remember, you know, about when our kids were growing up, we give this not everything they want, but the, the basic necessities to understand. And technology is a tool to move into this new type of life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it's just like a farmer get a tractor versus other old tools. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be faster and so on and so forth. But it's still a human. Yes. You have to have those feelings. That's just a tool to survive, to live, to make a living, so to speak. But the the human is very difficult to put it out there when when you now find who you are. This is my only thought. And you know, it's very difficult. So what advice would you offer to like young adults or like college graduates in terms of like being true to themselves or like really like some self-discovery? <clears throat> well, it's very difficult if you don't, you, you have to start challenge that, try to be yourself when you're very young because your fear is already there. Mm -hmm. you, you probably, probably you're a religious person, you fear about God and to do this, to do that, or you're trying to fit in a group of people that you really would like, I'm gonna put an example, like try to be in a sorority, you have to do all this and all that. Mm -hmm. If you're not there, nobody likes me. So you, you just try to be always somebody. And you have to start very young to look, try step by step, find who you are, how you're gonna control your emotions, 
those emotions gonna take you to happiness. Do you think that if you like are a person who like you didn't start when you were young, but now you're you know eighteen, nineteen, or twenty five, twenty six? Do you think that you still have that potential to kind of like restart or reset to figure out what it is I, that you I, truly? I, I, everything is possible in life, but you have to have that discipline. Mm, that's good. Okay, and if you don't have that discipline, nothing gonna come for everything. For the students, have to study really hard and so on and so forth, do your homework, and go to. It takes a discipline to do that, to make it all the way up there. If you don't do that, it just happens in every aspect of life. If you don't have the disciplines to eat correctly, to eat the right food, you, you know, what happens? You're big because there is no discipline. Yeah. If you don't have to do exercise, then eventually you're going to pay the consequences. So all this is just to learn the things you're supposed to do in life as a human. Everything else is just a tool to survive. How are you gonna use that tool? It's up to you. Gotcha. So I know that one way a lot of people learn is through reading, and you mm -hmm. talk a lot about reading. Um, do you have any books that are like your favorites or that were really enlightening to you or something that you would recommend? Uh, when I was 12, I finished uh, the War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, mm -hmm. Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. I read most of the books of Victor Hugo. Um, I read uh, Alexander Solzhenitsch, um, books by Albert Eisen, Enrico Fermi. So it's just a wide variety of things, you know, and, and you start shaping your way of thinking, your way of seeing things. Uh, there were grown old, old people that don't have the discipline to do things and you kind of learn from them and so it's just it's a simple way of living it is not a complicated it's just part of you know to learn the process of growing and eventually you know I'm gonna be old what <laughs> am I gonna do you know yeah. how I'm gonna live my life when I'm old because in the very beginning in your life you hang around with a bunch of people teenagers and whatever you pass the time then you walk on a couple of you and your partner your wife your husband whatever and then you form a little clan kids come up and eventually you end up by yourself again a year later you know so you have to prepare all that how are you gonna live that life so it sounds like what you're advising is almost to be open-minded and like well-rounded and not just like focus on like one thing but to Learn how to really think you need to be open to several different things. Well, yeah, it's just like to see through your apartment door to the peak hole. Mm -hmm. You will see only that part. But if you open the door and see everywhere, you'll see everything. Same thing, you know, I mean, like I, I think, you know, traveling, uh, go see some other societies, other countries. It's wonderful. It's open mind, you know, and then you figure it out. Oh, well, like, how can I complicate my life? Seeing those people the way they leave or whatever, you know, I'm mean, like, I have this much and I'm not happy or whatever. So, <clears throat> reading, traveling, and be open minded, you know, and don't see your life through a peak hole because it's not worth it. Open the door and don't be afraid yeah. on what's, right. of what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, take a long walk in the forest, see, hear the sound of the silence, birds, water, all those beautiful thing that is part of our, our life and then you find out you know 
I'm gonna use the word spiritual life, you know, like the inner part of you, you know. Yeah. So Carlos, I have one final question okay. for you. What would you say are some of your favorite ways that you choose to spend time? <clears throat> I, I we had a, uh, this trip with uh, my wife and my family to New York, and I enjoy seeing them happy. But you know, I I read a lot of you know four books. Most of the time, you will find in a house reading or painting, which is my passion too. Painting, do a lot of painting, and so I I enjoy my life now as it is, and I enjoy every single day of the life that I've been living since I had to 1960. That is so awesome, and I think it's very important to get to a point where you can appreciate each day and you can enjoy the life that you're living. Yes, and uh, you know, I, my wife runs a little camp in the house, summertime, and uh, she takes 20 kids to low income. And um, they come to our house Monday through Friday from six o'clock in the morning to five o'clock. And they teach them, you know, how to read and write. They teach them Spanish, English, or they want to learn how to swim or other things. So we feed them, you know, Two, two meals a day, and that is the legacy that my my family, my Gladys, Edgar, and Raquel, they wanted to do all the time, like help somebody out. <coughs> and uh, so my wife decides that this is the best. So this is our 14 years that we're doing that. Uh, my wife has a um, foundation to my daughter uh, name, and we pay uh, tuition for kids in the private school. That's awesome. Um, it definitely sounds like service to others is a lifestyle. Like what impact does that have on you? <laughs> well, like I said in the very beginning, you need to find, I was looking for a purpose of my existence, okay? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and to the whole thing that I said, you know, I didn't see it to my traveling and so on and so forth. There are a lot of people who need that type of uh, help, such as love, care and someone to understand them and if you give this to a child in the very beginning it will change his life forever yeah it will change completely his way of seeing things in life so they will be appreciate they're going to learn that there's they're not by themselves there is somebody out there to help them and therefore when they grow older they're going to do the same thing and you start rolling this little tiny ball eventually it's a big ball I think that's wonderful. And that's where we'll wind down. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Carlos. You're very welcome. Thanks for tuning in while the conversation was flowing. Follow A.Gabrielle exclusives on Instagram and the conversation can keep going. I post once a week. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up and catch this weekly vibe. Let's go.